It is the 200 level episode 120 Sports of Palooza. Can you believe that on this Wednesday, as we're recording, there are eight baseball games to be played. There's an NFL football game tomorrow, and then most of them, except for potentially one or two on Sunday. NBA Finals beginning tonight as well. By the time you listen to this, your favorite baseball team is going to be up one or two games to nothing in a Major League Baseball playoff series. LeBron James may be up one nothing, or Jimmy Butler in the Heat, they may be leading the series after game one. NHL, that's done with, though you know I'm not the biggest hockey fan in the world. College football, including the SEC, on Saturday. Big Ten football in, what, I think 23 days from now, if there are some of those Friday night games on October 23rd. Everything is moving so quick, and this has been... In terms of sports, one of the most fun months that we can remember, not just because we've been sheltered inside and craving any sort of entertainment, but the fact that we have, for the first time in our lives, been able to experience all of these things at once. NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball playoffs, the beginning of an NFL season, college football gradually trickling in as well, college basketball, less than two months away. And we'll get into a little bit of that because Andy Katz is just a little bit high on this Illini team and for good reason, too. So this is good stuff. And there is, of course, that lingering cloud of COVID-19. There's an article that Shannon Ryan wrote a couple days ago that I wanted to go over. She spoke to experts, medical experts, about the concerns with ramping up college football during the middle of a pandemic. And those concerns are valid. And I have them, too. Of course, there is the dichotomy here. As a sports fan, I love what we're seeing right now. I love the fact that we're entertained each and every night with at least five or six different things to watch. And as sports fans, we do deserve that. On the other hand, there is the public health element of this. And will there be community spread based on outbreaks inside of locker rooms? Is it possible? So I thought it was okay to temper some of that enthusiasm with the article that she wrote and the people she spoke to. I think it's important to do that because... We can still enjoy these games. We don't need to feel guilty about enjoying the sports that we're consuming after months of not having sports and after months of being sequestered in our homes and not seeing all the people that we normally would see, or at least not seeing them as often. Yeah, we deserve this. But at the same time, it's okay to hold two truths at once. The first truth being that I love sports, and the second truth being, yeah, there might be some consequences to this. Whatever those may be, though. It is a fun time of year. The Yankees are up one nothing in their series. They won 13-2 last night. Garrett Cole looked amazing. By the time you listen to this, for all I know, the series will be over. Fingers crossed. They won tonight with Tanaka. Or it goes to the third game and the Cleveland Indians erase that one nothing deficit in this three-game opening round playoff series. That's the thing about this particular postseason is that Things can change so quickly, and it's kind of exciting. It's got that College World Series vibe to it where each and every game is that much more important, and in this shortened 60-game season, what the hell? I I think it's okay, at least for this season, to do the expanded playoffs, even though it seems like they're probably going to proceed with this going into the future. But yeah, this is fun, right? It's fun to have that. The Yankees, in my case, Cubs, Cardinals, White Sox, all in the postseason. How cool is that? I don't know the last time that happened. The Bears, 3-0, and a chance to go 4-0 and in what I think is a pretty winnable game against a decent Indianapolis Colts team. I don't want to sell them short because that's a pretty good franchise they got going over there, but an opportunity nonetheless. And it seems like the sports gods are maybe finally smiling on East Central Illinois. Think about Illinois football. Should be okay, right? 4-4, four and four, maybe 5-3. and three. This is coming from a skeptic. 
you know me and my thoughts on Lovey Smith and that football program. Illinois basketball, I mean, we all know how we feel about that. It's nice, right? It is a nice diversion. And God knows we need it because last night, which would have been September 29th, was the debate, the big presidential debate. Now, Karen and I made a conscious choice. It was our second anniversary. So we had went to Michigan over the weekend, enjoyed a nice, long, relaxing weekend in the north part of Michigan where the leaves are changing, the fall chill was in the air. It was a great way to recharge. And we made a conscious decision that, you know what, we are not going to watch the debate because that wasn't going to do anything for us. And I think after that happened and seeing the reactions to it, we need sports. <laughs> we need sports in these next 34 days to get through this thing and remain relatively sane because that was insane. Just based on the press clippings and the different clips I've seen after the fact, that was bananas. So thank goodness that if there is a time for sports to converge and give us hours worth of entertainment every night, it is now in this election season. Thank goodness for that. But it is a sports podcast. Don't worry. I'm not really going to go down the political rabbit hole. I do that on Twitter, as many of you are probably aware of. There was a discussion I was having last night with a few people about how and I've seen this with sports too. There's often this both sides are bad argument that I find to be very lazy. And I found that last night after the debate that people were saying, well, what a disgrace this was just on both sides. It was no, 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 no. There was a matter of degree. That would be like me saying that Ron Turner and Tim Beckman were both bad football coaches, but one of them won a big 10 title and went to a sugar bowl and could actually put coherent sentences together. And the other could not. So therefore just saying they're both bad is lazy. It is a lazy cop-out answer for people that don't want to actually look at nuance or analyze something. So no, it was not a both sides situation in the debate. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> there was one side that was particularly bad and the other side that was kind of rendered helpless because they couldn't get a word in edgewise. <sighs> hey, but guess what? That's it for politics for this podcast. The good thing is I do think that over the last few months, if there's anyone that was offended by an aside like that, they probably have tuned out by this point. But I am very happy with the fact that most listeners of the 200 level, I think, are willing to kind of go along with the ride and realize that not every single thing we talk about is going to be sports only. We try our best, and goodness knows when the games start for Illini football and basketball, that will be the primary focus. But every now and then, yeah, we're going to take diversions. There are other things going on. All right, let's get going with today's episode. Before we do, got to remind you, DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. Order online at dpdo.com for custom zones, any topping you want. Some of their favorites like the Maui Wowie, the buffer zone, you get the dipping sauce on the side. And they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's the great thing, right? You can stay at home. They will deliver a piping hot calzone to your front door. Go online to dpdo.com, order online, dpdo.com. Also, 4th and Kirby, online at 4th and Kirby.com. I was sporting my new vintage t-shirt this weekend. It's from an Illinois football program in the late 70s. It's called Big Guy. It looks great, super comfortable, got plenty of compliments on it planning on wearing this every game day Saturday. So go online to 4th Use coupon code 200 level or the 200 level for 10% off your order at 4th And 365 days a year, you buy two t-shirts, you get one free. 4th And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Kara and I are working with Brian on homeowner's insurance, on auto insurance, on a really good package because we're moving. 
And Brian and his staff, super helpful. They have made it such a seamless transition. They take care of everything. They give you the information that you need, and we trust them, and I think you can trust them too. I've known Brian for a while, really excited to work with him personally, and everything I already kind of assumed about how they operated over there has been reaffirmed in the communication that we've had. So I can't recommend Brian and the staff over there enough. Brianismyguy.com. You get information online. They are super quick to get back to you for any inquiry you may have. Brianismyguy.com for State Farm Agent Brian Hansen. Also, Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. Speaking of Alana Inquirer, did another Mondays with Mike podcast with Jeremy. You can anticipate those every Monday. I don't know what time necessarily. I think we will try to get it to a point where we are doing these Sunday evening. So it's like first thing Monday, you get Mondays with Mike. I think we'll gravitate towards that direction, though with the move coming up, new studio, (laughs) things are going to be in flux a little bit with that. But you can count on it every Monday, Mondays with Mike. For the 200 level, you can count on two episodes a week. This week may be an aberration with that, but there are going to be weeks coming up where we have like three Forgot, for God's sake, we might have four in some of these when basketball starts up. So we got a really busy fall ahead, even if that means a couple of these weeks are only going to be one podcast. So a lot of material, a lot of content coming out and excited for that. Really enjoying the conversations with Jeremy. Back in 93.5, Lon and I certainly had a chemistry and it was a seamless transition to split into Jeremy doing the morning shows and then Tay and Carp in the afternoons. But I always enjoy doing shows with Jeremy, and naturally, you feel like you have to elevate your game in terms of knowing what you're talking about. Lon and I very off the cuff. Jeremy, always very prepared, and he knows his stuff, clearly. So in doing these Mondays with Mike podcast, it has been fun to kind of work that co-host angle again, right? To be asked questions and answer them. I do miss that back and forth. And as we get going more and more into this fall, With the 200 level, you can count on Trevor or Harry or Isaac. We're going to be getting people back on board, whether that be for post-game reaction podcast or midweek podcast. So thank you for coming along this ride in terms of the solo monologue style podcast. This is not permanent. And for anyone that's been following us from the outset, this podcast has certainly kind of evolved and changed, sometimes by necessity, sometimes by choice. And as we get ready for a really busy fall of sports, we plan on implementing a lot of really cool things. So so thank you for going along on that ride with us. One way you can help, rate or review us. Now, Apple Podcast, I know, has this. I don't know if Spotify or Stitcher have that review function, but I certainly know on Apple Podcasts that if you rate or review us, that helps us get found if someone types, let's say, Illini or Illini Basketball into the search engine, they'll find us. This is one that I got on Friday from Stuffman637, and he says, Deeper than just sports. I'm a fan of any sports show that can also hit on the important topics of the day. Carp is clearly an intelligent host that understands how sports fit into the bigger picture. To anyone looking for a vanilla sports pod, look elsewhere. Keep up the good work, Carp. Stuffman, that means a lot. And what stands out in all of that, if you're looking for a vanilla sports pod, look elsewhere. The biggest insult to me would be if someone said the 200 level was vanilla. And I, that's the first word I think, vanilla, milk toast. There are so many of those out there, whether that be on the radio or podcast where it is just going through the motions. I find it to be absolutely boring listens to hear people that really aren't adding anything to the discourse. Now, 
that's not to say that everything that we do here in the 200 level is somehow enhancing public discourse on the big issues of the day. But at the same time, we try to not ignore the things that are staring us in the face. We try to address them. We probably stumble across those and are a little bit clumsy in some of those topics, but we got to talk about them. So to the listeners, thank you, Stuffman and anybody else that's been listening and is okay with that because the thing I want to make sure with any podcast we put out there, at a bare minimum, it's got to be interesting. It has to be. If this gets boring, you need to send me emails and let me know. Carp, you're getting boring. I'm done. I'm checked out. If I start getting those in mass, I might have to reevaluate what this whole thing is about. But uh, to see that, no, you are not another vanilla sports podcast stuff, man, that means a lot. Lots of very, very uh, kind things that have been said through those reviews. And you may ask, well, Carp, come on. What does it really matter? Reviews, do you read them? I do have a podcast app that lets us know how many people are listening to us when we get new ratings and reviews. So I do read them as they come through. And I would be lying. And so would anybody, mind you. Any person that does radio, podcasting, they would be lying if they told you that compliments didn't help especially in those times where maybe you aren't feeling the inspiration or maybe you're feeling like, God, does everyone hate this podcast or have I pissed too many people off? Yeah, it does mean something. Just as it does when we get a one-star review and <laughs> you get told to stick to sports. But truly, I, I welcome those. I welcome both, but certainly it is nice to see the, the positive feedback. And I hope that we can bring at least a little bit of entertainment into your week for the two. And then as we get into the fall, the three episodes a week, presumably that we're going to be doing. So thank you stuff, man. And anybody else that's rate rated or reviewed us on Apple podcasts. Cause that is a huge help. Where do we begin today? I mean, think about this. The bears are three, and zero. Illinois football just today started practicing in pads. So Illinois football is officially back along with a lot of other Big Ten schools that suited up today as well. We have Illinois basketball in Andy Katz's latest bracket projection as a number one seed. Now, some would say, hey, wait a second. We're the fourth number one seed? I'll take it. And you are looking at a team that will probably be a top four seed, meaning four, three, two, or one in the NCAA tournament, if a tournament actually happens. You have Major League Baseball playoffs. Cubs, Cardinals, White Sox, for all you East Central Illinois people. My Yankees went 13-2 last night with 13 strikeouts from Garrett Cole. Life is good. With sports right now, life is good. And it is a great time to have this many sports because there is, you know, that thing happening in 34 days that sort of will impact the future of this country in, in a lot of ways. And I don't think that's hyperbole. So to have this distraction, I feel like distraction is maybe too light of a word. When you think of the impact that sports have and why we get so excited about it, a lot of it is wrapped up in traditions that we have. So we watch Illinois football with our dad, and we go to all the games growing up, and that becomes a tradition that we look forward to every Saturday. For baseball, think of the tradition lumped in with that, where Cubs fans grew up watching that team on WGN. It is just an intrinsic part of who they are and their identity. You name the sports team, you name the sports league. There's a reason that these things matter to us. And in this year of all years, in 2020, to have this embarrassment of riches, Sportsapalooza, as the episode title suggests, is such a welcome relief and a reminder that we do often have things to look forward to, that the first two, three months of this pandemic, when it felt like nothing was ever going to be normal again, or that the light at the end of the tunnel was very far off, we at least have this diversion. We have this true enjoyment 
source that we didn't have for a little bit. It's the old poison song. I cannot believe I just said that. I'm what quoting Brett Michaels now. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Lante would be proud at least. But think about it. When something is gone for a certain amount of time, when it returns, you are that much more grateful that it exists. And I have certainly felt that with sports. When live concerts come back, oh my God. I was actually listening to Dave Matthews Band Radio, of course, on our way up to uh, Michigan on Friday, and I heard a version of Best of What's Around, and I thought, oh my God, if that opens one of the shows next year, I'm going to cry. And you know what? I probably will cry regardless of the first concert I go to again. I will probably shed a tear and have chills down my spine regardless of who's performing and regardless of what the first song is. Just that joy of being able to experience that again. I talked with Jeremy on Monday about how with sports and with this Illinois football and basketball team and the expectations we're putting on them, how not being able to go to Memorial Stadium or not being able to go to State Farm Center, it sucks. Let's call it what it is. That is a source of enjoyment that we will not be able to experience in all likelihood this year. It's something I prepared myself for back in March and April that whenever sports did return, it may be a while before we can actually set foot in the stadium arena again, but that doesn't soften the blow. It stinks that if this Illinois team, basketball specifically, goes on a run like we expect them to, and yet we can't actually see them live. It's like if a tree falls in the woods, does it? did it really happen, right? But on the other side of it, adapting to the realities of how we consume sports in the middle of a pandemic, all based on TV, sitting on your couch in the comfort of your home, watching your favorite team play on TV, I'm okay with that. And as I told Jeremy in a cool discussion that we had, I'm trying to view this as optimistically as I can strictly from a sports perspective, because God knows there were plenty of other concerns lumped up with this pandemic, that we could look back on 2020, 2021. Let's say Illinois basketball makes that deep run in the tournament. Let's say they win a Big Ten title. What a story that we'll have 10, 15, 20 years from now. Well, son, back in 2021, Io DeSumo, Kofi Coburn, the rest of the guys, they won Illinois' first ever NCAA championship. And it just so happened to coincide with a global pandemic what a year. And then that kid, if I have a kid, you know, will be saying, wow, dad, tell me more about what was it like living through a pandemic and, and seeing Illinois win that national title. I know it's not ideal, as Paul Kowalczyk would say. I would rather be able to go to a packed State Farm Center just like we did on March, what was that, March 8th, when Iowa came to town and experience that. It was amazingly cathartic. It was a joyous experience to watch Illinois beat Iowa in the manner in which they did with 16,000 other kindred spirits, right? All that said, though, what a unique opportunity here in this pandemic year to still have successful seasons and leave memories that we will certainly not forget and will make for great fodder as we get 15, 20 years down the road and we're sitting in a bar or we're sitting in our garage over a few drinks and talking about, man, remember how crazy that was? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I've, I've kind of come to terms with the fact that, yes, there will be the absence of seeing them in person, but that doesn't mean that we won't have tons of enjoyment. That doesn't negate the joy we would experience if they won a national title this year or made a Final Four or won a Big Ten championship. That joy still exists. And if anything, will be offset. Uh, what I mean by that is the 
lack of enjoyment that we get from not going to the games, I think is offset by the fact that we are so starved for sports right now and so starved specifically for Illini sports that if they come back and if they have success, it's going to feel every bit as good as if we were in the stadium with 16,000 other people, right? I think it will feel every bit as good. I don't think that's me just trying to put a nice shiny veneer on a turd sandwich, okay? I don't think I'm just trying to spin this into some sort of positive thing when in reality, it just kind of sucks, right? I, I fully acknowledge all the things that suck with this current situation, but I think there is something positive we can glean onto. One such positive, we are a mere 24, is that right? 24 days away from the start of Big Ten football. That is insane. To think where we were on August 9th or August 5th, I forget which day was the schedule release and which day was the postponement slash cancellation. But as we sit here and we watch college football continue to have the occasional postponement, I think it's at 21 games now, Notre Dame, I think they have an outbreak of like 20 guys all stemming from a team meal. And I think Brian Kelly said that some guy threw up on the sidelines too. That's nice. That we might actually get through this season relatively unscathed. And if there's one team in the Big Ten, one team that I think because of the infrastructure of their university and the way they've already handled it, that can get through this season unscathed, it would be Levy Smith's Illini team. And this is where I need to give credit to a few different fronts. The University of Illinois for one, right? And I'm not just doing this to pat the back of my alma mater. But more than any other school in the nation, in the nation, they have handled the testing infrastructure better than anybody. They are equipped to handle this. And as skeptical as I was three, four weeks ago, right before Labor Day, oh God, here comes the surge. They're going to be sending these kids home. It doesn't look like it. It looks like they're going to get through the semester and maybe this year successfully. That is incredible. And that is something I never could have predicted. Happy to eat crow about that. I assure you, I'm happy, so happy to eat crow about the fact that the U of I, oh, they weren't going to get through this semester anyways. Maybe they will and beyond. So you have that. You have the athletic department, which, uh, you know, I got to give credit to Josh Whitman and the people in the DIA that from the outset, it was a somewhat impossible situation. There are obviously hypocrisies and contradictions in any of these athletic programs bringing back the student athletes before the university itself brings back the student population. But for all of those hypocrisies, I feel like the DIA has handled it about as well as an athletic department could. And for Levy Smith, who I think in terms of communicating how they're handling these things, how they are keeping their student athletes safe. And then you also mix in the fact that Levy's been very outspoken about the social concerns going on, the social racial discussions. He has not been shy at addressing those in the Zoom press conferences, in news articles, Mike Tirico and that program back in, I think, early June. All examples of Levy being pretty open and forthright about this. It is encouraging, to say the least. I think it's encouraging that this team, this program, this athletic department, and then all the way up to the university, they're taking it serious. And I know I was speaking with Jeremy back, and it was via text maybe two, three months ago, about how there's this narrative that continued to kind of perpetuate that if you had college football games, that the student athletes would be that much less likely to, let's say, party or engage in any risky behavior. I sort of poo-pooed that idea. And I still don't know if that's 100% accurate. There's always going to be certain individuals that regardless of if there's a game on Saturday, 
they're going to act like college students do. But I see the overall behaviors apparently change here at the university. I see the numbers continue to go down and think, well, wait a second. You mix that with this motivating factor that student athletes would have to not do risky behavior because they do want to play on Saturday. Maybe this works here. Maybe this works here. Where it probably doesn't work. And this is going to be interesting for that first game against Wisconsin. Go figure. I think the state with the highest positivity rate in the country, over 20%, I believe, in the state of Wisconsin. University of Wisconsin-Madison is a mess right now. Here's hoping that we actually get a game on that weekend because Illinois will hold up their end of the bargain. I just don't know if Wisconsin will. And that would kind of be a bummer, right? You get all excited for that first game of the year. It's a no-lose situation. And then a few days before, ah, man, there's still 15, 20 guys on the team that have COVID-19 or might have been in contact with someone who did. That's a possibility. Brace yourselves for it, right? But this is where that extra time that the Big Ten gave itself could be helpful for a team like Wisconsin or really for any team. That if you do have the occasional case here or there, or if you have five, six, seven cases in one locker room, that you have a month to get it under control. And that's important because the 21-day timeline that they set forth, that is a sizable amount of time. That's nothing to sneeze at. You give them an extra month to get their house in order. Maybe we can get this started on time. And then once you get it started, finish it. And that's the key thing, not just starting it, but finishing it. But Shannon Ryan wrote a very good article for the Chicago Tribune. Not that that is anything unique. Shannon is always at the forefront of larger conversations related to sports. Big Ten football is coming back, but how safe will it be for players and fans? A Q&A with medical and health experts. This was published actually yesterday in the morning from Shannon, and she interviewed different medical experts and laid out some of the very basic questions that are percolating about all of this. This is from Shannon. Four FBS conferences postponed fall sports because of COVID-19 concerns last month. Several football game scheduled and conferences that have been playing were postponed or canceled. Outbreaks have occurred on numerous campuses nationwide, but games continued in the ACC and Big 12 and a push from many fans, players, coaches, players, parents, and President Donald Trump urged conferences such as the Big 10 to reconsider. It worked. All 10 FBS conferences will be on the field this fall. The Big 10 said medical advice guided its August 11th decision to postpone football in all fall sports after an 11 to 3 vote by university presidents and chancellors. The conference cited medical advice again when it announced about a month later that it would play football, after all, in a unanimous vote, planning to start an eight- or nine-game schedule October 23rd through the 24th. The Pac-12 on Thursday also reversed course and announced it would come back earlier than expected, as did the Mountain West. The Mid-American, the first major football conference to postpone its season because of the pandemic, became the final one to jump back in on Friday. The Big Ten laid out plans for rigorous daily testing and cardiac MRI scans as it gears up for the late October start. Athletes who test positive will set out 21 days. And teams with a positivity test rate of more than 5% and an individual rate greater than 7.5% must stop games and practices for seven days. Will it be enough as the nation tops 204,000 deaths and teams in various conferences continue to halt practices after outbreaks? Medical and health experts answered some of the most prevalent questions and some responses have been edited for clarity. The rest of this article gets into detail. I'm only going to hit on a couple of these questions. Uh, Dr. Kathleen Baczynski, Assistant Professor of Public Health at Mullenberg College, Dr. Timothy Beaver, a cardiologist and medical director at the University of Kansas Health System, Kathy Weber, sports medicine doctor, 
we have these different sources answering some of the biggest questions about COVID-19 and how it could impact college football. And really, more beyond that, public health. First question here, how much has changed medically in the last month from Dr. Kathleen Baczynski? She says that, I don't think we've had a major advance in treatments. You see some of the schools having hundreds of cases, having significant cases among the athletic department and student body at large, and we have the concern that these cases won't stay on campus. There is not a wall between the campus and local community. We have a lot more evidence of failing to manage the risk than we have evidence of successfully demonstrating this can be done and not creating a significant outbreak risk. That's from Dr. Kathleen Baczynski from Olenberg College. That has been one of my biggest concerns from the outset and why the parent letters, to be quite honest, kind of pissed me off after a certain point because there was no mention. I don't think in a single one of them about public health. And I felt like the more we amplified these parent letters and there was that glaring blind spot in their argument, hey, listen, it's fine for my son. He's 20 years old. That's great. But what about for the 65-year-old lady who's a cashier at Walgreens and your son goes to get a two liter of Mountain Dew? You just don't know, right? That is the public health risk that Kathleen Paczynski, the doctor, addresses here. From Dr. Timothy Beaver, same question. With COVID-19 in general, we're definitely learning on the fly. The longer it's around and we're treating it, the more perspective we gain. I don't think the decision to play was based solely on, we know now it's safe to play. There's a lot of different forces at work and a lot of controversy from the medical community about what to do. There's a lot of things we have agreed on, symptomatic and asymptomatic, how to get them back on the field. The testing is the one thing that we haven't agreed on. This leads to Shannon's second question. Will effective daily testing ensure a safe return to competition without a bubble? From Dr. Kathy Weber from Rush University Medical Center. There's a lot we don't know. I think the difference is some of the professional teams has the advantage of the bubble. They tried to eliminate external factors that may play into getting the virus. They were in a vacuum testing. The test is as good as the moment you take it. There are external variables, being with friends, going to hotels, traveling. Those components put them at risk between testing. This is from Dr. Timothy Beaver from University of Kansas. From a transmission standpoint, it's helpful, referring to the bubble. We've learned from the NBA and the NHL, the more you can control, the better it is. What they wanted to control is the transmission, and then you don't deal with the consequences of getting COVID. The more frequently you test, and the more you can exclude people from the group, you're able to make more intelligible decisions to keep people doing what they want to do, which is play sports. Another question Shannon had, this is about myocarditis. Now, this has been one of those topics that if you're Clay Travis, you've used it in favor of your argument that college football should come back. If you are arguing that college football shouldn't come back, you use myocarditis as a yellow or potentially red flag, why you shouldn't. But as Dr. Beaver says, there's not a lot of right answers. COVID is still a virus. We have people who have had it and contract per pericarditis. I hope I got that right. And or myocarditis every year during viral season. So the difficulty is the translation of a lot of information about COVID and the sick, hospitalized patients that are not completely applicable to a group of 18 to 24-year-olds who are playing college sports. We have seen it. We know a Red Sox baseball pitcher had it. He was symptomatic. I don't know there are more athletes diagnosed with myocarditis in the last several months than in other viruses. We don't know the prevalence of myocarditis in athletes with COVID. So the answer to that question at the moment, we don't know. And that leads to the question about, okay, with bringing every college football league back, is not knowing enough? Is uncertainty okay? Is that a risk worth taking? This is a great follow-up question from Shannon, because the Big Ten, part of their whole unrolling of this plan 
was the inclusion of cardiac MRI scans. So Shannon asked, what does the cardiac MRI scan in the Big Ten add as a safety measure? From Dr. Beaver, this is the controversial part. The cardiac MRI is a little more of a specialized test. The ability to do that and do it well enough to get the information they're talking about is a little more difficult. It's also a test that's never been used for screening the heart. We really don't know what completely to do with the information in an asymptomatic person from a screening standpoint. If your MRI is completely normal, that's really easy. If your MRI is abnormal, that's pretty easy. You probably had myocarditis, and I should restrict you. If you have some of those in-between findings of inflammation we don't have data on, it's a little harder to know what to do with it, especially with someone who is asymptomatic. So again, I'm finding a recurring theme even from these doctors is the uncertainty. And this just goes to the simple fact that we are dealing with a virus that is, what, 10 months old, less than a year old, and that we just simply won't know, right? We won't know until 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road what it exactly does to people. And that uncertainty is part of the reason that even as much as I want sports to come back and as much as I'm going to enjoy them, there's this proceed with caution thing that I have in the back of my mind. And just as I watch football and I understand that there are the CTE and concussion risk that are inherent in that sport, I'm thinking regardless of the sport now, the COVID-19 transmission, let's just hope that it's not anything as serious as that, right? I mean, back to uncertainty. I'm not sitting here on the 200 level and telling you I know a damn thing about it, but I am telling you I'm uncertain and even these experts are uncertain too. Does that mean that you shouldn't play? Ah, there goes the debate, right? That is the, the heart of this debate. This is a question here from Shannon that gets to my biggest concern, though. How might the return of football affect public health? And as I mentioned before, parent letters, hardly a mention at all about the public health concern. Nah, old, old Tommy, Tommy's going to be fine. He's 20 years old. He's, he's a fit kid. He's not going to get sick from it. Yeah, well, again. There's a lot of people in any of these campus communities. So Dr. Pachinski answers this question. How might the return of football affect public health? In terms of the public health message and priorities, it's hard not to look at this and think the top priority right now shouldn't be figuring out a way to bring college football back. It should be figuring out a way to address the already existing outbreaks that we have that are linked to these campuses and get transmission as low as possible on campus and in local communities. You increase your options for everything if you focus first on bringing down community transmission. The focus on bringing college football back and the message it sends is this is an opportunity to have off-campus parties to celebrate the return of football and all things associated with the football game. It's hard for this not to be a mixed message. And to Dr. Baczynski's point, I'll use an example here in Champaign-Urbana as a teacher in the Champaign School District. As conversations continue to happen about how are we going to open things back up, When can we open things back up? The U of I, meanwhile, they're trying to find a way to get this testing available to the community at large. And that includes the Urbana and Champaign school districts. That's great. Yet think of the resources that are being diverted into these college football programs to get them back on the field. And of course we understand the money thing. I mean, that's beating a dead horse. We know that a huge driving factor in this decision was money. And we can have that debate. And God knows it is not a clean debate, right? It's something where I acknowledge that reality, that these athletic departments and really a lot of these schools in general need that income. They need that revenue. But what message is it sending? Like Dr. Baczynski says, we have schools that are closed because they cannot guarantee the safety of their teachers and students. 
And yet, we're willing to divert all these resources into 85 scholarship football athletes and their coaches and the staff to make sure that we can play eight or nine games this fall. That is not exactly prioritizing the most important thing. Now, I don't want to go so far as to say, you know, an argument that I hear often is, athletes are paid too much, right? I'm, I'm afraid that if I go too deep into this conversation, I'm sounding like that person that says, professional athletes are paid too much. Well, guess what? They make a lot of money for their owners, for their leagues. They're being compensated appropriately, or sometimes maybe not even enough, given the money that they bring in. Take that to college. These college athletes are bringing in a lot of money to their school and to their athletic departments. So it's no wonder that they are getting first crack at this rapid testing, the frequency of testing, all of that, right? They get first crack at it. That doesn't make it right, though. You know, it doesn't make it right when we are sitting here 200,000 plus deaths and no federal plan, no actual plan to get this thing down. It is disheartening to see that we see little pockets here and there of a plan. The Big Ten, they got a plan. It's probably a good one. It'll probably work to a great extent. And yet you have certain communities where going to get a test is a pain in the ass. You may have it and you may not know for a week or more. What is that? A public health crisis, and yet we aren't really addressing the public health crisis with this. We are addressing something that, as a sports fan, I'm excited they're addressing. I am excited to have the games back. So this is the tricky thing, right? Sports of Palooza, I'm pumped. And yet also trying to proceed with caution just because of those factors that are affecting people far outside of the sports bubble. People that cannot get a test. People that are probably walking around with it, but they don't know where to go to get a test and they won't find out until seven days later anyways. That's a problem. And as a country, we've never really had a priority straight when it comes to sports. I love sports and I have been part of that problem. I have totally glossed over some of the hypocrisies and contradictions specifically with college sports because I enjoy it. And it hasn't affected my enjoyment to the point where I say, you know what, ethically, morally, I'm out. And even with all of this, with college football coming back, am I going to abstain from watching it? No, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch every Illini football game. I'm going to watch every Illini basketball game. And I won't have a hard time falling asleep because I, I can gloss over that contradiction. So I'm acknowledging that. I don't think that every sports fan needs to apologize for that. I don't know if you need to apologize at all. There are fans, there are players, there are owners, or in the case of college sports, coaches and athletic programs, right? Everyone has a vested interest, and different people get different benefits out of the return of sports. And as a fan, my benefit is entertainment, diversion, distraction, and in some cases, joy. And I guess on the other hand, some cases, just being really pissed off because my team doesn't look all that good. But I'll take that. I'll take that because it's an emotion that I would like to feel again. And that is why this is such a difficult conversation to have. It is not casting dispersions on anybody or saying you're wrong or I'm right. Certainly, I've been critical of the, <laughs> the parent letters. I think that's valid. I've been critical of Clay Travis, but I've been critical of people I think that are ignoring some of the nuance of this conversation or just outright ignoring the public health component. You can want football back, but still be concerned. And I think those are the two truths that you can hold them in different hands acknowledge that they don't quite jive. And that's what I'm juggling with myself. Now, what does that mean for the 200 level? Are we not going to do our post-game podcast? Are we not going to have a lot of fun when Illini football comes back? Come on. 
Of course we are. But I'm hoping that we could somehow have the return of Illinois football and Illinois basketball and all the things that we really look forward to. It would be amazing if that could coincide with something actually being done to the betterment of public health and safety. This is where leadership matters. Oh, God, here goes Carpenter's Soapbox. I'll keep it quick. But a federal plan, you know, some actual plan where I can go to concerts again next summer, or I can go to Lot 31 and tailgate before I go into the Illini football game next fall, or I can go to State Farm Center at least by next year to watch what is a very good Big Ten basketball program. I want to do that. And in order to do that, you got to have people making decisions in the interest of public health and actually come up with a plan, testing, Contact tracing, if you can get numbers low enough. You got the vaccines coming, that's great. But do we actually trust the federal government right now to distribute it and do so quickly so we can get that in the early part instead of the later part of next year? I don't know. Color me skeptical about that with the current setup. (laughs) I mean, back to the sports politics comp. Leadership matters. I say that a lot. And just because I'm criticizing the current guy in the White House, doesn't mean I hate America. Just as when I criticized Tim Beckman, that didn't mean I hated Illini football. I just hated what he was doing to Illini football. I just hate what this federal government is doing to its country right now and just leaving us out to dry. But football, thank goodness for that, right? But I I say that tongue-in-cheek, and then on the other hand, not tongue-in-cheek. Of course I'm happy football's back. Thank goodness it is back. But at the same time, we see even at the top levels, even from the top dog, last night, He mentions Big Ten football, I brought it back. So if we want to say keep sports out of politics and vice versa, start at the top. You can send him a letter and let him know to leave football out of politics. Until then, unfortunately, they are kind of intertwined. And it is intertwined with our lives and what we get to do and the freedom we have to go places. I understand a counter to that would be, well, you know, think of the lawmakers that are preventing you from going places. I don't know. Maybe I'm an idealist. I think some of those are actually based in public health decisions. Uh, One last thing before we separate ourselves from that political (laughs) tie-in. J.B. Pritzker, who, you know, say what you want about him, but was at least a leader at the early outset of this pandemic. And it helped Illinois avoid disaster. With a city the size of Chicago, it could have gotten bad, and it could have gotten really bad really quickly. And it didn't. I am puzzled by the continued crap that he gets for the high school football decision. The reason I'm puzzled is I still am having a hard time wrapping my brain around what benefit is in it for him to keep high school football from going on. What is his benefit to say, no, we are not playing? He's not going to win votes. He's not currying favor with anybody. So why would he make that decision? Is it just to be a jerk? I don't know. That doesn't seem like much of a motivating factor either. You know what? I just want to troll my own citizens and say no high school football. Is it possible that the uncertainty that we were talking about earlier that was addressed by those doctors in Shannon's column, is it possible that that uncertainty is part of the decision-making process to say, you know what? We're going to wait until the spring. Already we're seeing lawsuits pop up. This is no different than the parent letters sent to the Big Ten. And yeah, the Big Ten caved. If you want to say caved, and I I think there's a valid argument for that. And they had to come out with, you know, enhanced protocols for safety and all that. They, They had to cover their tracks to make it look as if they didn't cave. But I think it is fair to say that at least to some extent, the Big Ten caved to public pressure. How much credit we give to the parent letters, I'll leave that to you. You can decide. (laughs) But regardless, I'm looking at the blowback 
that Pritzker is getting for this. And I find it to be just another version of the parent letters. Let them play. We want to play. Don't rob little Bobby of his junior year of football. I understand the emotions tied up in that, but I am struggling, struggling to figure out a motivating factor for Pritzker or any politician that would say, hey, we just are going to wait until the spring to play football. What benefit is in it for him? Because it seems like the people that are most against it think there's some nefarious kind of conspiracy theory subplot going on here that you must be up to something. And I'm thinking, well, wait a second. Maybe this is naive of me, but it might just be because he doesn't want 15 to 18 year olds playing a high contact sport in the midst of a pandemic when we don't fully know the effects of this thing. I think that's fair. I don't know. I've never been into high school football, so it's easy for me to sit here and say, you know what, Illinois football's back. I'm super happy about that, even though I know the concerns. And then on the other hand, say, hey, I went to Urbana High School. We didn't really care about football, and we didn't. So (laughs) I I understand why that could come off as dismissive of something that means a lot to a lot of people. I don't want to do that. But on the other hand, I need to acknowledge the elephant in the room, the turd in the punch bowl, this pandemic that... Yeah, it might take away some of the things we enjoy doing, including a bunch of high school kids running into each other. I I don't think that's unreasonable. And even if all the other states are doing it, is that reason enough for him to say, ah, you know what, Michigan, they're doing it now too. I guess we should. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I don't think it's necessarily talking about priorities like they did at the end of Shannon's article. Talking about priorities, is high school football in the state of Illinois really a top priority when we have a bunch of schools that aren't even open to begin with and we want to play football? So this is the dichotomy, right? It's sports of Palooza. Thank goodness we got all these sports back. Major League Baseball playoffs, they're going on all day. Got the Yankees tonight. Hopefully they just take care of business. Got the Bears looking to go 4-0 on Sunday. We got Illinois football back in pads. Illinois basketball in just under two months for their first game. Be excited, right? I would encourage everyone to be excited because we don't really have a choice in whether or not these games get played. So if they are going to get played, might as well just sit back and enjoy the ride. That's what I'm going to do, right? But it is acknowledging that cloud that is kind of lingering over things and knowing that we don't fully know, we do not fully know the impact that this thing will have if these young athletes catch it. And we still don't know really about community transmission, all of that. So yeah, proceed with caution, right? but enjoy the sports while they're there. All right, that's it for today's podcast. I think we covered most of it. I say sports of Palooza, and we have an embarrassment of sports on for the rest of today and really the rest of the week and the rest of the month. It's October already tomorrow, and it's my favorite month of the year, especially the Yankees can make a deep run. Good start for them. But again, by the time you listen to this, who knows? Maybe they lose two games in a row to the Indians, and then just like that, the season's over. Or they win, and then they make a run to the World Series. Oh my God, that would be amazing. I'd take that. All right, DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. Check out their menu, custom zones, any topping you want. They got some of their favorites like the Maui Wowie in the buffer zone, signature dipping sauce on the side, and they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Okay, so you can stay at home. You can watch all of this Major League Baseball playoff action, NBA Finals tonight. They will bring it to your door piping hot. You don't need to leave your couch. dpdoe.com. Appreciate Steve and his support over the years. Also, got to thank Brian Hansen, State Farm agent, Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Working with him now as we get ready for our move. It has been so smooth to work with Brian and his staff. They are experts, they're knowledgeable, and they have your local interest at heart. They're all from Champaign-Urbana. 
BrianIsMyGuy.com. Can't recommend him enough. Same with ForthAndKirby.com. Vintage inspired Illini apparel. ForthAndKirby.com. They fit great. They look great. I got my Illini football t-shirt ready to go every football Saturday this fall. ForthAndKirby.com. Use coupon code 200LEVEL for 10% off at ForthAndKirby.com. For Illini Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level, hard to believe we're 120 episodes down. We are rolling along. We may get one more podcast before this week is over. If not, we got two next week, two most every week until we get into that beautiful place in October and November and December when football and basketball converge and God knows how many we're doing per week. I could see three. I bet there will be some weeks where we do four and I'm happy with that. Just really happy to get back to talking Illinois football and basketball in what should be at a minimum an interesting Illinois football season and at a minimum pretty good Illini basketball season. So, hey, thanks for tuning in as always. Thanks for going along on this journey with us as we talk about not just sports, but other things, including that review that we got earlier. Again, uh, special thanks to Stuffman637, to Ramon's Own25, really a nice review from Captain Marco Ramius. Ramius? Really, really cool reviews that have been put up there on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out big time. So when people are searching for Illini, they find our podcast. And those words mean a lot because they're really hitting on what we're trying to do with the 200 level. We are talking about things that I don't think others are talking about. And we're trying to be as honest as we can about it. I try to acknowledge my limitations and my blind spots, the things I don't know much about, and delve into things that maybe I haven't before. Hey, I'm going to fall flat on my face sometimes in doing that. But the fact that you continue to listen as we do so means the world. It really does. I love doing this podcast and appreciate all of you listening along the way. So stay safe, stay healthy. We will see you soon. Enjoy this embarrassment of riches in the sports world. And uh, we'll talk, if not later this week, a couple times next week. Take care, everybody. It is the 200 level.